Blog Talk Radio. are your hosts, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenets that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. 
I want to remind you that all faiths are welcome, and I'm a Christian in recovery, and I will be reading out of my Ryrie Study Bible this morning, and you may use any Bible you wish. You can also use the online resource, uh, biblia.com, and you can read along with us if you if you don't have a Bible. Uh, in, in gratitude for the many spiritual experiences I've had and the miracles that have been going on in my life. I have ongoing Bible readings every Sunday morning as we make our way straight through the Bible, and uh, we're on Third Timothy today. It's just been, uh, well, Second First Timothy chapter 3. Anyway, uh, I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me. So let's say together this blessed morning, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and their, also their lives and family and their families' lives are in jeopardy. We pray for all those suffering from violence abroad and here at home too. And we pray for those who are sick in mind and body. And we also pray for those who are lonely and uncomforted. And we ask God to forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence in their own home and freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, addiction is ruining families and also taking lives. Please send your mighty angel, Archangel Michael, to fight against the evil, protect the lives that are taken for distorted or evil reasons, and they become martyrs. And we realize that uh, we need to ask for help here on earth, that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, help us and come over all of us. And heal us and help us and give us the strength to keep going on. And we also, our prayers also go out to all the suffering in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. Lord, have mercy. And then we pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers that they have many decisions to make. And we are praying for all countries of problems of suffering all over the world. We want to thank God for everything you've given us. And we want to ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow in Eric's care. And thank God for our very lives. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that we ask Jesus to bless us. Mm-hmm. And everyone in their family, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, is uh, in our prayers. And I also want an extra prayer for my niece, Anastasia, that she has been in a coma a couple of weeks and she got a very serious flu. And uh, we ask in Jesus' name that she wake up and that your will be done, and she returned to health. Okay, um, we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen. And then uh, and, uh, there's also another website I like, www.biblegateway.com. Anyway, the opening music was site by Save Vocal Group from the CD Made of Angels. You know, I love the CD, and uh, I wish uh, that uh, I could buy everybody one, but instead you have to go to Amazon to buy one for yourself. Or you can listen to it free on YouTube. So it's Save, by, and this is a CD called Native Angels. And you can also buy the CDs from 
uh, Nate uh, Save from uh, online, or you can go on Amazon or anything like that. And then now I want to say happy and blessed birthdays to everybody, including my dear friends, John Selman, Michael Austin, Melon, Maria DeSimone, uh, Jim Tierra, Kip Hartzell, Paula Kuroki, and Gia Birdsong. You all seem to be, your birthday's still on Mother's Day this day, so it's a very uh, awesome day. And I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. God bless all you mothers that are just so steady working this program. Uh, praying to God and keep all of us in your prayers, mothers. And I want to keep my uh, sister in mind that uh, that they all have peace and love in their heart. And my dear mother, God bless you, mom. I love you very much. And my beautiful daughter, I love you and you're a great mother. And uh, I also wish uh, everybody, every other mother that, uh, you know, without you, we wouldn't have the world. So and we also are humbly asking the Blessed Mother to pray for all of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a little request or a prayer request, you can call up during the show, 619-924-9744. So right now we're coming to the little bit of a goofy uh, summary by the kids over at Harvard. And uh, we're reading First Timothy chapter 3. And the title is Be Awesome in Your Leadership. It says, Follow the Leaders. Now, some rules for those who can lead the church. Warning, it's a tall order. A bishop who has to be totally a stand-up guy, he can only be married once. He's sensible, a good teacher, and he's not drunk, and he doesn't use violence. Also, he doesn't pick fights with other folks and isn't greedy. Basically, he's a well-respected man about town. He also has to make a charge at home. Because if you're a guy who can't control your wife and kids, he's gonna, how's he going to run the church, right? Now, remember, this isn't me. This is the guy that smoke. Anyway, we shouldn't be, he shouldn't be a new convert, and non-Christians should think he's a swell guy. He's going to have to help avoid a lot of troubles down the road. Deacons do have a lot of boxes to check before they can be, be in leadership. And be serious. Don't lie. Don't drink. Don't be greedy. And basically, be flawless. Well, women who want the post also can't be gossipy and have it be to be super faithful. A deacon can only be married once and also needs to run a house that's in ship shape. No skeletons in the closet, no black sheep in the family tree. Yeah, this is intense. But Paul concludes this section by explaining that he hopes to visit soon but wanted to send the letter ahead so everybody would know exactly how they should be acting. And you know how Paul is, the boss of it all. But since he's OG, remember, we have to remember that he is our leader, you know, and now he's in heaven. Anyway, yay, St. Paul. Okay, so let's reach for our Bibles, First uh, Timothy chapter 3. Instruction concerning leaders. If it is a trustworthy statement, if any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectful, hospitable, able to teach, 
not addicted to wine or or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceful, free from the love of money. Hmm. He must be one who is will manage his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he be able to take care of the church of God? And not a new covenant so that he converts, sorry, so he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And then he must have a good reputation who's, I'm sorry, who's with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and mess up this near the devil. In other words, warning, if you decide to take this leadership position, the devil's going to be on your tail. Okay, and he must have a good reputation for those inside, outside the church, and that's the point. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fond of sordid games, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also serve to be tested, and, when, and then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified not malicious of a gossip, uh, but temperate and faithful in all things. And that's where I feel that uh, over at uh, St. Catherine's, uh, there's a Greek Orthodox priest, and of course he's married to one wife, and that wife does serve as an uh, example to all of us. She's very uh, loving and kind, and she's very helpful and hopeful, and uh, she really helps me a lot. And then... Uh, Let's see. For those who have served well as deacons and tenured themselves a high standing and great confidence and faith that is in Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. I am writing to the, these things to, to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how to, one ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God and the pillar and the support of the truth. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. Right. He who is revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels. That's great. Okay, let's start reading the notes. Okay. Overseer or bishop. It's also referred to an elder in the New Testament, where the terms are used interchangeably. The elder, the principal official in the local church, was called by the Holy Spirit, recognized by other elders, and qualified according to the standard listed in this passage. His duties included ruling, pastoring, and shepherding the flock, guarding the truth, and general oversight of the work, including finances. The husband of one wife, one woman man, some think this means having only one wife at a time, others only one living wife, where a remarriage of a widow is permitted, but the more likely they married only once and the one man woman type of thing. And then the elder's home uh, provides him with a training ground for exercise leadership in the church, and that's an excellent point. And then not a new convert, less rapid advancement take place of leadership because he is to become proud. That's right. Okay, so deacon. The word means minister or servant. Deacons originally the helpers of the elders, thus their qualifications were practically the same 
as well as for the elders. The office had its beginnings in Jerusalem. And then, however, the word deacon is used in an unofficial sense throughout the New Testament of anyone who serves as well as the official sense designating those who occupy the office of a deacon. And then, stop being double-tongued double means uh, not hypocritical or spreading different stories among congregations. The mystery of faith, the body revealed doctrine, truth must be united to a life lived in clear conscience. And then women, most likely a reference to the wives of the deacons rather than a separate office of deaconess. Since the qualifications for deacons are continued in verse, uh, if he had a different group in mind, it would seem more natural for Paul to have uh, finished the qualifications for deacons before introducing the office of deaconess. Okay, so then we move on to the last one. Which is, this seems to be a summary of the truth contained in what likely is part of the early Christian hymn, He Who Was Revealed in the Flesh and then Vindicated in the Spirit. And then Christ ascended into heaven. That, I, I, that's why I thought that was particularly beautiful, that last little uh, verse 16. So anyway, um, I want to thank you uh, for tuning in this morning. And also those listen to later in the archive, I want to thank you very much also. So let's see if we can read that C.S. Lewis. I was reading his life story. Uh, just a couple of days ago, and an interesting person who was initially a uh, uh, did not believe in God. He was an atheist, and then he had spiritual experience that he now is Christian thinker and writer. Anyway, I liked him a lot, and uh, I remember when I started reading his books, I went, "Oh, I just really see so much in common with this guy." And then it turned out that he, you know, he's really from the 20s, and he died a long time ago. But sometimes I read a book, and it does seem uh, like, you know, they're still alive. I don't know. I was going to write him a letter, but too late. Anyway, um, let's see. I think for some reason we're talking about a little bit of uh, marriage and everything, but I have a couple stories by C.S. Lewis that I'll read you. The final judgment, it will be infallible judgment. If it is favorable, we shall have no fear. If unfavorable, no hope. That is wrong. We shall not only believe, we shall know. We shall know beyond doubt in every fiber of our appalled or delighted being that as judge has said, so we are, neither more nor less or nor other. We shall perhaps even realize that in some dim fashion, we could have known it all along. We shall know, and all creation will know too, our ancestors, our parents, our wives, husbands, even our children. And the unanswerable and by then self-evident truth about each will be known to all. I do not find that pictures of physical catastrophe that sign in the clouds, these heavens roll up like a scroll, help one so much as the naked idea of judgment. We cannot always be excited. We can perhaps train ourselves to ask more and more often how the thing for which we are saying or doing or failing to do at each moment will look when the irreversible light of streams in upon it and that the light which is no different from the light of this world 
And yet, even now, we know just enough of it to take it into account. Women sometimes have the problem of trying to judge by artificial light how a dress will look by daylight. It is very like the problem of all of us to dress our souls, not for the electric lights of the present, but for the daylight of the next. The good dress is the one we will face in that light, for that light will last longer. I like that story for some reason. Okay, here's another one. The Divorce of Heaven and Hell. He wrote this May 20th. Mike wrote The Marriage of Heaven and Hell, and if written in their divorce, this is not because I myself am a fit antagonist for so great a genius, nor even because I feel all sure that I know what he meant, but in some sense in the attempt to make that marriage as perennial. The attempt is based on the belief that reality never presents us with absolutely unavoidable either-or, that granted skill and patience and, above all, the time enough, some way of embracing both alternatives can always be found. That mere development or adjustment or refinement will somehow turn evil into good without our being called on for a final and total rejection of anything that we should like to retain. This belief I take to be a disastrous error. You cannot take all luggage with you on all journeys, and on one journey, even your right hand and your right eye may be among the things that you have to leave behind. We are not living in a world where all roads are, you know, red, red eye of a circle and where it all, if it follow long enough, will therefore draw gradually near and finally meet in the center rather than a world where every road after miles forks into two, and each of those two again, at each fork, you must make a decision. Even on the biological level, life is not like a river, but like a tree. It does not move towards the unity, but away from it, and the creatures grow apart farther as they increase in perfection. Good as it, as it ripens comes continually more different, not only from evil, but from other good. Now, you really have to think about this, and, you know, some of the stuff he says stuns me. And that one, I think, was speaking to the fact that sometimes when you're traveling a path, you know, and we know that usually it gets narrower, and usually it distances you from other people as you draw closer to God. And as sad as it is and as lonely as it feels, it's the way it's supposed to be. You know, you really have to decide to, or, you know, are you going to let go of all the beliefs and uh, the things, and let's say you were raised a certain way in your family and all that, or are you going to turn to the family of God and turn to God? It's, it is hard letting go. It is. But we have to let go and love God and trust in Jesus Christ to enter our hearts and help us every day. Because at some point in your life, and I'm getting to that point, where you're older now, and I am older, and, you know, I have to admit that I'm powerless over so many things, and then I ask Jesus every day to help me because of the powerlessness. And I realize I, can, I can't do everything. And that that's why we depend on our Heavenly Father, the angels that he sent us, and, the, you know, the peaceful, loving friends that we have that support us. It's a it's a marvelous way to think about things and to know yourself that you're on a, a travel. Don't be lonely. It will feel lonely, but 
you know, be, um, you know, just to be focused on God and correcting yourself. Okay. And, uh, Anyway, so let's do a couple more readings out of, uh, I just feel like being C.S. Lewis today. Anyway, so it's called Competition or Courtesy. If the fixed nature of matter prevents it from being always, in all its dispositions, equally agreeable even to a single soul, much less is it possible for the matter of the universe at any moment to be distributed so that it's equally convenient and pleasurable to each member of a society. If a man traveling in one direction is having a journey downhill, a man going the opposite direction must be going uphill. If even a pebble lies where I want it to lie, it cannot, except by coincidence, be where you want it to be. Hmm. This is very far from being evil. On the contrary, it furnishes occasion for those courtesy, respect, and unselfishness by which love and good humor and modesty express themselves. But it certainly leaves the way open for a great evil, that of competition and hostility. If the souls are free, they cannot be prevented from dealing with the problem by competition instead of courtesy. By courtesy, at once they have advanced to an actual hostility. They can then exploit the fixed nature of the matter to hurt one another. The permanent nature of wood, which enables us to use it. As a beam, it also enables us to use it for hitting our neighbor on the head. The permanent nature of matter and general means is that the human beings fight and that victory ordinarily goes to those who have superior weapons, skill, and number, even if this cause is unjust. It's a statement of reality. Okay, so possible worlds. With the very advance of our thought, the unity of the creative act, the impossibility of tinkering with the creation as though this or that element in it could have been removed will become more apparent. Perhaps this is not the best of all possible universes, but the only possible one. Possible worlds can only mean worlds that God could have made but didn't. The idea that God could have done involves a too anthropomorphic conception of God's freedom. Whatever human freedom means, divine freedom cannot mean indeterminately between the alternatives and choice of one of them. Perfect goodness can never debate about the end to be attained, and perfect wisdom cannot debate about the means to which achieved it. The freedom of God consists in the fact that no cause other than himself produces his acts, or no external obstacle impedes them that his own goodness is at the root from which they all grow and his own omnipotence in the air from which all flower that's right God is the are on and all and the be all so we've come to the end of our Sunday service this morning again happy Mother's Day to everybody and I will say our traditional prayer God Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. So I just want to tell you, thank you again for listening. Please keep in your prayers. Um, I've been ill, and I'm going to see the doctor on Monday. And I'm out there. God always help me. He's always there. I appreciate
appreciate it. So enclose may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever's ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you very much. And may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Remember to message me if you have any concerns or requests for a prayer and you need to discuss something, just let me know because I'm here and I'm here to serve and I love you. And uh, take care. God bless you. And I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. But God.